0: Live from the center of the earth, girth. Yo, my name is Sam Union. I am the host of My Summer Lair. And rather than do the introduction and explain who my guest is today, in- introduce yourself, but do that thing that you do, the rapping thing that you do.
1: Yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, in the place to be, the greatest MC in history. Been rhyming on a mic since 83. There will never be an MC better than me. That's why they call me the K-I-N-G.
0: Okay, <laughs> yo, that's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> thanks, man. High five for that. Yeah, yo, that's
1: fresh. Show that's fresh.
0: I want to start off with what seems to be kind of an obvious analogy, which is like uh-huh. you're like the Stanley of like hip hop. Like Stanley had collaborators like Jack Kirby and Steve right. and stuff like that. He had a whole group. Right. And you came out too with Run DMC. You had Africa Mabada. You had DJ Cool Herc. You had a gang too. Right. But you guys were kind of like you guys helped with the Big Bang and right. kind of started this whole hip hop universe.
1: Well, no, no, no. The real pioneers is everybody before the MC.
0: Grandmaster.
1: Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Funky Four Plus One, the Cold Crush Four MCs, the Fantastic Five MCs, the Jazzy Five MCs, the Treacherous Three, Africa Bambaataa and the Zulu Nation, uh, Busy Beast Starsky, Lovebug Starsky, uh, Cool Herc, Spoonie G., um, who else was this sequence? All of all of the um, all of the DJs and MCs before Rappers Delight, they are the pioneers. Rappers Delight and Run DMC, we put the culture on records, and Run DMC took the records and put it on MTV. So that was our role. Yeah, MTV so raps. we we was the. Um, the example for the big tours, how to um um you know become your own entity and, and do all of that so I always like to give credit to the people before me especially Grandmaster Flash Cold Crush 4 Treacherous 3 oh people forget about the crash crew gotta shout out the crash crew all of those all of those groups and mcs and DJs were influential into mold and run DMC into the entertainment juggernaut that we became.
0: But also at the same time, as you're doing all this, like as all this hip-hop is exploding all over New York City, yeah. you're sitting there reading
1: comic books too. Well, my first love before music was comic books. All I did as a kid was collect, read, and draw comic books. Um, I would read a comic book book over six or seven times then the only thing left to do after reading it so much was try to duplicate all the art that was in the the inside the actual book so i started with stick figures you know the stick figures with the (laughs) horns and the the raggedy cape was um batman the stick figure with the s on it was superman but then um and a lot of artists who draw now and all of the legendary artists for marvel and dc by that matter told me they started the same way i used to use tracing paper used to oh. get it from the local store and you trace the cover and you trace everything that was in second grade but by third grade i didn't need the tracing paper anymore i could just look at the spider-man cover and draw it the exact way that it was you know in the book and that's all i did as a kid and by me reading comic books all the time it made me a good student so I was a straight-A student because I come from a generation where the educators was like, don't let the kids read comic books. They need to read the textbooks and their workbooks, which is true. Right. But they overlooked the fact that I was reading every day, so it made me a great student. And the comic books did what for me? It gave me reading skills, language skills, but it also gave me an imagination. So comic books set me up for hip-hop. When hip-hop came over the bridge from the Bronx to Queens, New York, I was like, oh, shoot, you could tell stories over music? So I started writing my rhymes for me. My raps was for me, not for you to hear, not to be in records. They were for me. But by me doing that every day just for me, it made me prepared to be so dominated when it was time to pick up the microphone.
0: Was Batman, you mentioned Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Were these the earliest comics that you got into? Yeah,
1: I mean, um, Batman originally came because uh, Batman and Superman was on TV with the live, you know, um, um, Burt Adam West and and Burt Ward and Superman with George Weaves. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up seeing Superman and Batman on TV, but I was still a kid. It wasn't that appealing to me. It was just cool that wow, Superman and Batman. on TV, but it wasn't the ones that was in the comic books. Mm-hmm. So the comic books was always my place. Yeah, because Batman didn't dance in the comics. Exactly, exactly. And the comic books, you know, when you're reading a comic book, the art, the writing, the subject matter, the stories, all those emotions you feel when you're reading a comic book, watching it on TV was entertaining. It's but It's a
0: little bit more passive. It's not yeah. You don't connect with it.
1: Exactly, right. The comic books I connected with, which set me up to be totally dominated by Marvel because Marvel comic books was New York City. Gotham Gotham and Metropolis was cool, but it was fictional. Mm -hmm. Stan Lee was a genius because he really put the superheroes in New York City. So every time I opened up a comic book, I got a geography lesson. You know, I'm a kid. So I learned about my own world, Fifth Avenue. Manhattan, Hell's Kitchen, S- Hell's Kitchen, the Lower East Side, Elliot. Harlem. You know what I'm saying? um, um Spider-Man lived in Queens. I lived yeah, in Forest Queens. Forest Hills. So it was real to okay. me.
0: So is this a stretch then? Like once you started kind of doing the Run DMC stuff, then w- uh-huh. was it like putting on the Adidas tracksuit and the Godfather hat, the leather jacket? Was that kind of like a superhero uniform almost? Like t- Transformers? Well, nerdy not,
1: not for us here. We got it from the breakdancers. And the rap – wasn't even rappers. We rapped, but we were MCs. It was MCs, DJs, breakdancers, and graffiti writers. Those are the elements. When we saw – right, the four elements of hip-hop. When we saw the breakdancers or when we saw, you know, um, um, Rocksteady or when we saw Grandmaster Flash and the First Five and the Cold Crush and all of that, before they made records, when they was doing it at the block parties in the park – they wore Adidas suits, they wore Pumas, they wore Kangos. they wore gazelles, they wore the gold chains and all of that. So for us, it was the way we dress. Now, once we started doing it on records and videos, to the world, like the way you look right now, your bright red Adidas jacket on, it's very attractive to the eye. But it looks so cool and when it was so many different colors—the red, the red Adidas, the red jacket with the red sneakers, the green jacket with the green sneakers, the blue and the yellow and so on—we looked like some superheroes. Yeah, I mean, hip hop was the graffiti, the fashion, the style, and the stories. It was almost like the comic books jumped off the pages and plastered itself on the walls and the trains and in the parks and the clubs that we was growing up in. So this is a
0: pre Giuliani New York too. Oh, So oh for it sure. was a lot more rougher. Oh, and for sure.
1: But to answer your question, it was like our superhero outfits. When we knew we was going to the party, you putting on your superhero outfit. You know what I'm saying? Your red hat with your red jacket, this yeah. and that. But we had no idea that it was actually the same thing that was in the comic books. It wasn't a... Conscious thing, yeah.
0: That's what I meant. If it's just like maybe a stretch, because it's like when you see like the classic Superman where he's like Clark Kent, and he's got the suit on, and he goes to the and stock room And he
1: goes into the room and rips puts the his shirt open on, and you see right, that, and then you see the colors, and yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, same thing. Same thing.
0: Was it, what about then? Was it a conscious choice then to, I guess, put aside drawing and uh, comic books and kind of go into hip hop? Then, would that was uh, no, I
1: wasn't conscious. I was kind of forced into it because, um, if nineteen eighty five. If you listen to King of Rock, I'm the King of Rock. There is none higher. Sucker MC, should call me sire to burn my kingdom. I should have said you can't use fire, <laughs> but I won't stop rock until I retire. If you listen to me on a record, I'm saying, I said a rhyme on there where Run says, I'm DJ Run, I could scratch. I didn't say I'm DMC, I could rap. I said I'm DMC, I could draw. Listen to King of Rock. Crash through walls, come through floors bust through ceilings and knock down doors. Rappers don't do that. Superheroes do that. I was always putting Easter eggs in my music. I'm the devastating mic Controller DMC. Invincible Iron Man, amazing, uh, Mighty Thor, Amazing Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, the Microphone Master DMC, the devastating mic Controller deep. So everything I was presenting on my raps was from comic books. So now that i got the comic book out now, People are going back and seeing all the um, Easter eggs. Son of Bifrit, son of Bifrit, brother of Al. Banners, that's like you reading the first pages of a comic book. You open up a comic book. Son of Bifrit, brother of Al. Banners, his mother, and run is his pal. It's McDaniel's, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Darryl's, those burgers are Ronald's. I ran down my family tree, my mother, my father, my brother, and me. That came from me sitting there one day going, okay, Thor is the son of Odin from Asgard. He has a brother named Loki, and he got a hammer. I'm Daryl. I come from Hollis, my father's name is Bifrit, Thors is Odin, my father's name is Bifrid. I got a brother named Alfred and I got a Mike, so I wrote Son of Bifrit. So everything that I was writing was me make-believing I was the most powerful entity in the hip-hop universe, and that was from the influence of comic books. But every generation, Every generation, we all are influenced by pop culture. My generation was comic books, Fred Flintstone, Bugs Bunny with Looney Tunes, The Jetsons, uh, the, the 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 live action shows like I Dream of Jeannie, The Munsters, The Adams Family, so that the Brady Bunch. So that's me. You know what I'm saying? And that's so, a
0: lot of fun and lots a lot of play, which kind of shows up in your music. Exactly,
1: even in the dirt poor ghetto of death and despair. there was inspiration and creativity. Hip hop allowed us to put that out there. Wu-Tang, coming along talking about the kung fu movies, even if you didn't like hip hop, a lot of people in this world became fans of hip hop via Wu-Tang because they related to all the kung fu movies that everybody watched. You know what I'm saying? So everything Run DMC was presenting, you know what I'm saying? And for me, I took it a step further because I knew even in the dirt poor ghetto, down in the gutter, there's some good things. So when I came along rapping, like I rapped about glasses, before I rapped about glasses, you was considered, hey, binoculars, hey, four eyes, you got teased for wearing your glasses, but when I rapped, for superhero attitude d's for doing it all of the time m's for the rhymes that are on mine. c's for cool cool ass can be run with say why you wear those glasses i go so i can see <laughs> i did not wear them to be cool yeah i did not wear them i wore them because if i didn't wear them i'd be blind <laughs> but then all the other little kids that was taking the glasses off when they went outside they put them on glasses became cool so it's also that superhero thing you know um, Peter Parker was awkward. You know, Superman plays nerdy and mm-hmm. geeky and stuff like that. So everybody in real life have these aliases and other identities. But a lot of people are afraid to express them. Like, I have no shame about being a geek and a nerd. Like, every time I rhyme, I never rhymed. I, you know, I only cursed. I only used profanity on two records. What made me powerful was saying good stuff. You know, I did a song about Christmas. I rhymed about St. John's University. I rhymed about chicken and collars. Run DMC made a song about their sneakers. And because of the honesty, we got a sneaker deal from the first non-athletic entity to get an endorsement from a major apparel company. No curls, no braids, peasy head, and still get paid. I'm one of the reasons why Yeezys can be made. That's powerful. So think about all the... Mundane, so called corny stuff that people are ashamed of. I put it on a pedestal and took over the world. Drug dealers and gangbangers? No. DMC and a place to be. I went to St. John's University and since kindergarten, and I acquired the knowledge. And after 12th grade, with the same attitude and enthusiasm. So it was a tra- what I'm trying to say, it was a, transfer- a transformative presentation. Yeah, from Clark Kent to sit- Superman. But it was artistic. See, that's the connection. Before hip-hop, all we had was kung fu movies, cartoons, and um, comic books. Now hip-hop gives us to give that poor kid with nothing a chance to show what's inside of him. So it's a superhero-type transformation.
0: And it kind of goes what you were saying because you were saying like a lot of people use tracing paper with some of the earlier comics or you're just sitting there kind of mimicking Doodling. Like a, s- a Spider-Man cover or whatever. Exactly. It takes you a little while to find your voice.
1: Yes. It took me a minute to find my voice, but w- what have it took me a minute to find my aggressive voice because anything that you start out doing, you're copying what's influencing you. So when we first came out, people, thank you. When we first came out, remember, I was just talking about this on a radio interview. Hip hop was considered black ghetto music. And what I mean by that was, because of the success of the message, here's these inner city youths from the ghettos of you know, New York City talking about what happens in every ghetto in town. So everybody thought the music was specifically that, broken glass everywhere, life in the ghetto, growing up in the ghetto, death in despair, and this and that. But we took it a step further because hip hop gives you the opportunity to say, no, this is what I also do. So it it elevated. So in the beginning, Run DMC made It's Like That, but we also made Sucker of Seas. Well, it's like that was the formulated record. We want to do a message record. So we did it like that. Then we did hard times. But we also kept the elements that the radio didn't know about. When we did Suck C's, that's just a beat, and we're rhyming. No subject. I'm TMC. Two years ago, uh, that's real hip-hop. The other songs is songs now made for hip-hop. When we did hard times, hard times spreading. You know, it's hard, you know, typical message record. But then on the B-side, we did a record called Jam Master Jay to tell people why there was three people in Run-DMC. Because remember, there was no videos, there was no album covers yet. So we would show up at shows, and okay, that's Run, that's DMC. Who the hell is the third guy? That's mm-hmm. the DJ. People didn't know. No, There's no hip-hop if it's no DJ. So I said, I got you, Jay. Don't worry. I wrote a whole song about J-A-Y. Now the world knows who we are. So it's very... um. It's very informative. It it was a creative presentation of information. I didn't even mean for that to rhyme. It was a creative presentation of information that overtook a nation without creation and brought salvation uh, to those who were in participation. All right.
0: There you go. That's some good determination. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately, though, right, even though you took all these uh, airplane flights at huge heights. Yes, there was a bit of a crash landing. Oh, for there, sure. There was a kind of a dark period. And oh, this is kind of what sure. led a little bit more back to you getting back in the comics. You want to just touch upon, like, because yeah. uh, you even mentioned it in your book, 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide, right? Yeah. Like, you kind of open up and how you lost your voice yes. uh, to kind of continue what we we're just talking yes, about. Like, exactly. you lost it metaphorically, but you also lost yes, it. Yes. Like, no, for real. In no, real for life.
1: For real. Yes. I lost my voice in. Um I think it was Obama who once said your voice isn't just how you sound, it's who you are. So for me, I guess what had happened was we had this huge success. Now since we created this huge success, that's everybody's destination now. But remember, we didn't get here because we was looking for that. We were just being who we were. So now since we had radio records, successful tours, selling venues out. Adidas adidas deal so now you need adidas you need you need a deal you need to be on radio you need to have a hit record you need to sell records you don't need to do nothing except present who you are and everything else falls in place so me i went along with the flow to please other people so we can live up to this expectations of what we had created and along the way somewhere i forgot about little daryl Who made all of this possible? No fortune, no fame. Comic books. Fun and creativity and good stuff. And friendship and honesty and generosity. Love. That's how we changed the world. You know what I'm saying? When you saw Run DMC, you didn't really see us as celebrities. You related to us and you saw yourself. Even if you couldn't rap, DJ, breakdance, or even if you had no money, me running Jay showed you something that made you say, Man, I could do whatever I could do, I could finger paint, you know what I'm saying, so I kinda got lost in that world because the world of success is not real. What really is success? You got a lot of money, you sold records and you got an Oscar and stuff like that. What really determines success? Success is determined by making every person in the world that you come in contact with happy, or feeling like they mean something, and that's what music. That's what Sarah McLachlan said to me. That's what music is supposed to do. So, to make a long story short, in the midst of all success, I got depressed. What's the first thing the world says to you? You DMC or run DMC? Lifestyles of the rich and famous, fame and fortune, and your pioneers. Why and no, they go. How in the hell can you be depressed? Yeah, because I'm a person who has feelings oh you forgot about those i'm a human that has feelings but they think because of all all of these these material earthly things that that means something
0: we're seeing that with some of the people that committed suicide like chris Cornell, and like people didn't i am
1: sick and tired of all the pain and hurt i do it for chester chris and kurt i got a rhyme coming out on a new record and yes it hurts me Now, let's take it away from celebrity. It's just like, you know, when everybody made a big deal when Jay got shot and when uh, Tupac got shot, when Biggie got shot. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big loss. But there's a Tupac, Biggie, and Jay getting shot every day in a lot of places. And we don't pay the same attention to that. Yes, yes. And and those people are just as, if not more important than Jay and Biggie. They were known. What about the unknowns this year? So for me... I was there. I was going to shoot myself. I was going to jump off the bridge, and I was going to drink the poison. You know what I'm saying? I was there, and the only thing that kept me, well, two things kept me from jumping. I heard Sarah McLachlan's song, Angel, and was like, what the hell? What the? I heard the piano. It It was something about the essence of the record. In the arms of an angel, fly away in that piano and i said and i was at the i was an alcoholic suicidal metaphysical spiritual wreck about to jump off the bridge and when i heard sam mclaughlin's angel that song just made me say d all of this stuff may be messed up but the world's a beautiful place if something like this exists and that made me not jump And the second thing that made me not jump was i went to rehab to stop drinking because i was drinking so much and i discovered this thing called therapy and in therapy it was the first time in my life where Daryl got to talk to Daryl. Because I spent my whole life talking to everybody else and living up to everybody's expectation and putting the mighty king of rock first, not realizing the king of rock don't exist if little Daryl's not good. So our lives is about feelings. So when I went into that dark depression, the only thing left for me to do is like, if, if hip-hop is taking away from me, and it was, I found out I, I was depressed then I found out that I was adopted at age 35. Then I found out I was a foster kid and an orphan. Then it didn't stop there. Jam Master Jay got shot and killed. Then my father byford died. So all of those things happened, and in the midst of all of that, I lost my voice. And I went to Mariah Carey's doctor. She's the greatest singer in the world. Went to her doctor, went to Lenny Kravitz's throat doctor. They looked at me and said, son, there's nothing physically wrong with you. So I had to go get my spirit and my emotions right. So everything is stripped away. I may never rhyme again. What is it left for me to do? Oh, I'm just going home and read some comic books. And when I did that, everything came back. That's crazy. Everything came back. And what I say to people in that place of suicide, depression, substance abuse, If you're fighting a battle and a struggle you think you can't win, I am living, breathing proof that you can beat and defeat whatever it is that you're struggling against alcoholism, drugs, anorexia, all of that. I'm living proof because you got to do two things you got to remove the guilt and the shame, and you remove the pain. I don't even mean, mean for that to rhyme. And you have to admit how you feel or you won't heal. And what I mean by that was you got to admit how you feel, whether good or bad, because you'll never heal. See, what I was doing, I was only admitting to the world when I felt good. And my therapist said, D, that's not healthy. You, if, you f- if you feel a certain way, well, you speak up. I don't agree with that. Jason and Joe, I don't like that. You know I'm doing? Nope, I'm not making that. I'm not using those words on this. Ra- I'm not doing a show with them because they don't represent what I stand for. No, I don't care about the $50 million. I'm not going to that place and dealing with those persons for $50 million. I'd rather be broke than do that. And I'll be strong, but when I start learning to do that to please other people's expectations, when I do step up there to being who I am in love, nothing won't come out. And it's crazy. You said that in the beginning of this interview. You, I literally lost my voice. Hip-hop gave me a voice. I allow the business and the entertainment and the... um. Um, um um the expectations of other people to take it away from me
0: it's how you how you've kind of worked and grown because mm-hmm. you come out of like this ghetto area and you didn't let it dictate who you were you, right you know what i mean and now in a sense celebrity and fame is another kind of ghetto area because you're just trapped in there and it's like here's the money and here's the it, it,
1: it's cr- yeah it's cr- it's, a, it's 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 that comic book universe of right and wrong good and bad it's it's me. It's Doctor Bruce Banner fighting against the Hulk. Mm-hmm. It's all it's Steve Rogers trying to deal with. I come, my, my morals and values is who I am. Now I'm in a whole different generation. It's a struggle for Steve Rogers. It's like I ain't rolling with you, Iron Man, Tony. That's wrong to me. And Tony Stark's an alcoholic. And Tony's a an alcoholic. Yep. You know what's crazy about this? People looked at me and said, "D, you are really a superhero." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" They said most superheroes are adopted batman superman superman was adopted because yeah. he came from an it's adopted. a jewish batman allegory batman was adopted by his parents th- the orphans spider-man's parents that aunt may me, bifred and benton most superheroes have two identities mm-hmm. spider-man's peter parker nerdy geeky smart dude bruce rain as bad and conflicted he is he's very educated Tony Stark's a goddamn alcoholic, but he's a genius. DMC's the microphone master, the king of rock. There isn't none high. He's a. Then this what kills me is. When people actually say this to me, "Yo, DMC, man, you was like my superhero, the way you looked and sound," and that was without me even letting them know. So the joke is, I'm really a superhero. All this hip hop stuff was just a cover up, there too, because I didn't want to reveal who I am. But everything in my so called make-believe, pretend world that I was on the microphone proclaiming came true, which made me watch what I say. I said crash through walls, come through floors. What did Run DMC do to the industry? Crash through walls and come through doors. When Steven Tyler took that microphone and knocked down that wall in the Walk This Way video, people say, yo, D, that didn't just happen in the the video. That happened in the world. Run DMC and Aerosmith knocked down a wall of separation with all the white metal and bunk heads. Now the black kid who loved heavy metal all his life wasn't ashamed to put on his ACDC shirt and come outside. But before that, he was fronting, acting like who he wasn't. All the metal kids was kind of scared to play, run DMC around their friends. He would only play with the other three dudes that knew. People tell me, yo, DMC, man, when y'all came out, at first we was afraid to say we liked hip-hop. And once y'all came out and hang with the BC boys, we was riding through our towns in Kentucky in Wisconsin White kids running around knowing we all are the same. So that's it's a powerful basically you thing. put up a,
0: a bat signal.
1: Exa- yeah, exactly. And
0: then that just brought out like, because when Gordon puts the bat signal on, he knows Batman's going to come. What? And it's like,
1: it, you, we need you. Now, you know what's crazy? Now, I put my story out there. It's almost like, you know, when Su- Spider-Man didn't want to be Spider-Man. And, and the Spider-Man 2? Yeah. With Tobey Maguire. Remember the scene in the driveway with Aunt May? And she, he didn't want to be spied in the And she, Aunt May said, Peter, sometimes the world needs superheroes. So for me, I'm coming out. Yeah, I went to rehab. I just found out that I was adopted. Yeah, I was in therapy, whatever, whatever. I put that out, and now I get calls. DMC, can you come talk to my 7-year-old daughter who's adopted? Yo, DMC, can you come talk to my father? DMC, can you come talk to the police in, in, in America because of all the shootings? There's a lot of pressure on the cop, the good cops. They're alcoholic and drinking themselves because now they're being put in, 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 You know, they're being judged with, along with all the bad knuckleheads out there. So there's a lot of stress, anxiety, and substance abuse. I find myself in the moon, in the room. I find myself in the room talking to psychiatrists that want to commit suicide, that been studying it, to have PhDs in it. But I put my book out talking from the human. You know, DMC is no different from the plumber. DMC is no different from the cook or the teacher or the doctor. So I put that out there, and now everybody wants me to come and save the day. And I didn't want to go when I first started telling my story because, you know, all this really came about in a funny way. After Jam got shot and killed, me and Run stopped doing shows. But Run was on TV for 10 years with Run's house, mm-hmm. and I'm never on the show with him. So the main question was, DMC, why the hell you ain't on Run's house? well I just got out of rehab what's that about well I'm coming home from therapy I'm in third what's that about well I just found out that I was adopted at age 35 and everybody in my family in the whole neighborhood knew except me so I would tell my story and every time I would do that two things would happen somebody would go I've never told anybody this me too or I've never told anybody this my daughter's going through that so it's a, it's a powerful thing that we all have our stories save lives you know what i'm saying sometimes you gotta push the textbook to the side the the psychology and the the physicists i can't even say the word (laughs) and all the phds and all the degrees in the world nothing cures heals and saves better than how are you feeling today man yeah i feel great i'm going to work no 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 how are you feeling and if you ever ask a person that They might know where you come from and break down. I've never told anybody I feel like shit today. There's nothing wrong with somebody saying, I don't feel like living today. Because now they just told you that truth. I feel hungry. That's cool. I feel tired. That's cool. I don't feel oh, no, no, you're a weirdo now. It's not wrong for somebody to say that. It's how the world reacts to us. So everything that I was ashamed, everything that people was ashamed about, I, I draw And I go to St. John's and I'm a school kid and it's Christmas time and my sneakers walked on, my Adidas walked through. Not, I got more Adidas than you and I got more money than you. Come look in my closet and see my cars, my money. No, my Adidas walked through concert doors and roamed all over Coliseum floors. I stepped on stage, whatever rapper stepped on stage alive, hey, okay, thank you. Me running, Jay, we was there, you wasn't in the story. So those little things of goodness and truth save lives. Not DMC's mighty, and he's dope on the mic, and he—he—he's he, the first to go gold and platinum. All of that means nothing, but I kind of let, let that mean something because it meant somebody else meant so much to everybody else. But that's good. But what, what's what's important to me? Which is what the
0: comics are kind of about, then, right? Because it's yeah, like
1: the DMC universe. Yeah, you just want
0: to explain a little bit, like who's who you got working with you. You got a great team.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the comic book came about like this about three years ago. I went for a music meeting, and I was meeting a young man named Riggs Morales, who was Eminem's excuse, excuse me, Eminem's right hand man, A and R over at Shady Records for the rise of that great empire. And here's a little um, uh, here's a little tidbit for all you listeners. Eminem's huge comic book fan, geek and nerd just like us. <laughs> comic books, wallpaper, comic book toilet paper, all of that. Comic book underwear. He's one of us. He did the
0: uh, Without Me video where he was yeah. Robin, and exactly. Dre was battling.
1: So um, I go for this music meeting, and when I was meeting with Riggs, he goes, true story, he goes, yo, D, I'm usually very professional. I know we need to get business, but he goes, But you was like my superhero to me, man, the way you looked and the way you sound and the way you dressed and all that. He said, what was it like when you was a kid? So I told him what I just told you. Catholic school, comic books. Comic books? Yeah, comic books. We sat there for three hours and talked about comic books. And I blew his mind. I had every issue of every Marvel comic book. I could draw anything at the drop of a dime. Stan Lee, all of that. Sal Pashima, John Ramalda, John Ramota Jr., all of those artists, and Jack Kirby, all that. So he was blown away. He was like, yo, DMC, you should do a comic book, man. You're like crazy. I said, no. He said, why not? I don't want to be another rapper just because I got a hit record thinking I could do everything because I don't want to disrespect another genre. I don't want to disrespect the culture just for financial gain.
0: Yeah, do he it said, properly.
1: Yeah. He said, D, nah. He said, don't do the, DM, the comic book as DMC, the rapper businessman. He said, do the book as little Daryl who loves comic books. So two years ago, he took me to the New York City Comic Con. And this is important because when I walked in them doors, I seen all the issues of Marvel comic books that I had all of those years when I did a comic book sale to get two turntables in a mixer because I wanted to be like Flash. So I was always trying to be Batman with my blanket on. I was Captain America by taking a trash can top. You know, you figure I'll take my daddy's hammer. I'm throwing all of that. I sold my comic books to get two turntables and a mixer to be like Flash and Millie Melanin. But when I walked in the comic book, I saw everything, Lost in Space, Star Wars, everything. And, and Riggs just looked at me and said, yo, in one year we're going to be back here with your own comic book. And I was naive. I said, Okay, we're going to create it and take it to Marvel and DC. Rick said, oh, hell no, you're hip-hop. You're going to be what Marvel and DC has been doing all these years. By the way, you can't use Marvel, you can't use DC, you can't use Image. If you had an opportunity to name a comic book publishing company, what you would call it. Here's why Daryl's important. Daryl builds everything. Daryl McDaniels transforms into the mighty DMC who becomes the king of rock, who really becomes a king. If I'm just going to be making comic books, I'm just going to call it DMC. Daryl makes comics. Riggs was like, yo, this is crazy. So we started it as a tribute and celebration of what makes all comic books deaf, dope, desirable from every generation. And we took it a step further. We want to make sure that we're legit. And y'all respect us because we don't want no bad talk from our fellow geeks and nerds. We don't want to F anything up. We always want to have a writer and one artist who has worked with or currently is working with Marvel in D.C. And the way the book is done is there's three to four artists each book. There's one writer. We create everything, but we have somebody write it professionally. You know what I'm saying? We create the characters, storylines, scenarios, and all of that. But then somebody writes. We tell them what the story is about. And then we bring in one artist known to the world, respected, and then we created opportunities for all other anchors, graffiti writers, artists, colorists, pencilers, because what I wanted to do was I'm 53 years old, so there's people 52 to 8 who should deserve to get a chance to have their art and gift showcased. now. What I mean by that was, of course there's protocol. Go to art school, go to college, get your degree. But then you got to go to meetings and submit your stuff to Marvel and DC and you might not never get a chance. I'm doing all these comic cons. You come to my booth, you show me, give me your card and show me your work and stuff like that. If you dope, you could be in DMC's comic book for eternity. And there's people 54 to 100 who should have drew for Marvel and DC. I want to give those individuals a chance to have their art published before they leave. The same way Run DMC opened the door for hip-hop, Come on, Beasties. Come on, Houdini. Come on, LL. Come on, him Like, we are Chuck D. Oh, man, if it's EPMD, y'all let us get on the bus. We didn't say, yo, Russell, don't sign anybody else. Let us get rich first, then bring them in. No. While we was at the top, we let everybody come up to the top with us. So the DMC universe is everything that is Daryl McDaniels in this world, except the difference this. In this universe, my superpower is hip-hop and rock and roll. But in the alternate universe, I don't become a rapper. I actually graduate from St. John's University and I become a teacher. So I'm a teacher. I'm amazed by the punk rock and the hip hop and the rock and the metal that the kids are doing. So it, this is, I'm like, this is power. Like I'm amazed by that. I never meet Run. So there's no Run-DMC. There's no other rappers in my universe. Because it's only Darryl McDaniels who happens to be the DMC superhero. So it's everything synonymous with me. I'm adopted, my whole story, the mysteries and all of that. The only difference is I'm not a rapper who changed the world. I'm a superhero who's changing the world. And like you, I wanted to say earlier, we deal with all the issues that it, politics and religion is afraid to talk about. Society, politics, homophobia, um, um, violence, street violence, drug abuse, substance abuse, alcoholism, um, marital problems, um, um, premarital sex, you name it, we're going to write about it. Sort of like, um, you know, um, the, the X Men represents just, you know, um, racial bias and, yeah. and stuff like discrimination Gay and stuff and queer like that. All the themes, you know, we're trying to keep it real like Stan Lee did.
0: So, last question, uh, it's an important one too. Are the Knicks ever going to get
1: it together? Well, you know what? And you need to send this to the world. The first thing and only thing the Knicks need to do is make Mark Jackson the head coach. Now, let me tell you why. What do you got? Outside of credentials and who won what and who's a great mind and stuff like that, spirit, spirit has a lot to do with morale and enthusiasm in life. Mark Jackson... I watched Mark grow up. I sat in Hollis and watched Mark Jackson score 59 points every time he got on that court as a kid. Then we watched him do marvelous work at St. John's University. Then he got signed by the Knicks and became Rookie of the Year. You make him head coach because now it does something to the guy. He's hometown. He's homebred. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the quickest. But he was smart, and he proved other people wrong when we played against the Knicks. Do something for the spirit. Make Mark head coach, and then have Mark bring in a staff that's going to motivate these players. Look, Mark set up the Warriors. I mean, Steve Kerr took him there, but the first two years Mark was there, he turned that place around. They were balling hard. They were balling so hard, Curry kept getting hurt. (laughs) And Curry had to say, okay, i got to do something about my body because now Mark got them to play basketball. And I always talk about this. Mark isn't a baller. You know what I'm saying? He, He ain't super athletic and he ain't making rap records and he ain't hanging out and he ain't having baby problems and he ain't getting into fights. In the NBA, in professional sports, there's the baller. But then there's the... I'm a professional, you got to say it like this, I am a professional <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> Examples, Tim Duncan. yes, yeah. not a ball, a flamboyant. And you, you don't know, Tim Duncan probably don't even listen to hip-hop. That's real funny. Yeah, he does, but yeah. I'm just saying. But he's a professional basketball player. Kawhi Leonard is a professional basketball player. John Stockton is a professional. All of these other guys are gifted and got handled. They can shoot shoots and stuff like that. So for the Knicks, it can start now. I'm, I'm, you see me, I'm, I'm a, what do you see, I'm
0: fired up about
1: you got to bring Mark Jackson in. It's possible, but they got to change the spirit there. The fans are faithful. We uh, lose everything and we still pack the house you got to change the spirit. When um, John Starks was there, spirit, when Oakley was there, spirit, Oakley. Anthony Mason, spirit. Um, 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 Ewing. Patrick Ewing, spirit. Um, 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 what's the other player? They brought um, Xavier McDaniel. Remember, they would make little moves that kept the morale and the spirit of you know, uh, Madison Square basketball up there.
0: All right, we got to end it there because it's a high note and yep, it's like you. this is kind of the journey that you've taken us all on, right? Like oh, inspiration sure. and like coming uh, back from the darkness, getting out of the ghetto. Exactly. It's a superhero journey. Yeah, you right? know, it's,
1: it's like Mo- it's like Jesus in the desert. It's like Moses and the Jews in the desert. It's like, um, oh, I got a question for you. Okay, what do you got? Captain America, Civil War. Who side you're on? Who you fighting for? Tony Stark's wants to obey the law, so Mr. Steve Rogers has to go outlaw. What would you do if you had to fight and give up your life for what you believe is right? Deep down inside, do you know the answer? Do you have the pride of the Black Panther? Would you jump on a team like Spider-Man? Because you can jump on a wall like a spider can. Or would you say, oh, no, I can't, man, and try to do it big like you was Ant-Man? Life is full of many decisions. You got to have the wisdom and the vision of vision. A superhero like D, when it comes to war, I'm coming like the Hulk and the mighty Thor.
0: Damn, that was fresh. (laughs) Yo, high five, brother. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, DMZ.